guys. Welcome to episode 67 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Commodore number 5 and my fellow host... Well, it looks like our secret commander just abducted Big Tuck, and here filling in is our overlord, Mr. T himself. Hey. What's going on, buddy? Howdy, everybody. How you doing? How's life? Ah, oh, life's good. Can't complain. Yeah. All good things, I guess. We got a new set that just came out. Everything's looking great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the new set's exciting. Um... For some reason, and I know this is misconstrued, I don't feel like I'm in product overload right now. I just feel like I'm in the set was overwhelming overload right now. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense, but that's the way my brain is tricking myself into feeling. Granted, as soon as I get my Commander Legends box, I gotta be on the hunt mid-December Commander Spellbook Green, I gotta figure out a way to A, get my hands on one, oh, and B, not pay a $350 for a foil one. Oh, I'm just, I, I, I think I'm gonna buy singles for people who wanna ditch some stuff, because the only thing I really want out of this the box is the Sylvan Library. I want Sylvan Library. I would like, uh, kind of to uh, MTG Lord of Leaves point, I'd like to get the Soul Ring for my mono green deck. That'd be kind of cool. Same thing for the Command Tower, even though I don't even run Command Tower in my mono green deck, because it's stupid. You shouldn't run Command Tower in monocolor decks. Uh, but then there's a, another card that's in there. Um, there. Is it Worldly Tutor? Yeah, yes, because that would be its first reprinting. In a very, yeah. very long time. Sylvan Library and Worldly Tutor are the two that I want. And of course, those are the most expensive ones in the, in the set. <laughs> exactly. I see people shipping some of the cards just to pay for the set itself. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised. To. But hopefully people don't get proud and like, well, I paid this much for the box, so I can't take this much less. It's like, dude, in theory, I bet you uh, Wizards only charge the LGSs $30 for that box. I bet it's the same price as the Gideon Spellbook, the J Spellbook, the Chandra Spellbook. It's just the LGS has saw what was in there and racked up the price a crazy amount. I don't know. I mean, from what I've seen Wizards doing as of late, I mean, like, look at the uh, charity edition of Secret Lair, right? Yeah. It, it's the one that they just did that had Teferi's Protection. Amulet of Vigor. Amulet of Vigor, all that. That was... 70? 60. 60. 60. And a normal but, secret layer is 30. So it just seems uh, like... Here's, here's the thing, though. People have selective memory. They did this last year with a charity edition. It was also 60. And when traditionally when they've had a secret layer where it's all foil, it's usually 50. 40 to 50, somewhere in there. Like, look at the uh, Kaleidoscope. I think that was 49.99, if memory serves correct. So they basically upcharge by $10 and 30 of that is going to charity. That's so you could, you could almost look at I didn't it. even think of it that I mean, way. You could almost look at it as, well, I paid $29.99 for this product and I had to make a $30 donation to get access to it. That's, that's a really nice way of looking at that. And then coming yeah. in with a Russian squeeze point, they're getting a tax break on it too. Uh, they actually are not. Really? So there's actually a YouTube video that deep dives into that. I did not watch it um, because, you know, the magic community is a very toxic place unless you're like us and we have great friends that are somewhat positive. Um, <laughs> 
and on Facebook, someone was just ripping into it. Oh, wizards, you greedy SUBs, blah, blah, blah. And someone was just kind of like, actually, it's not a tax break. What it does do is it inflates their revenue numbers from an overall revenue perspective but then their actual net profit is less because that money it, it's it's taxed differently to where it's not they're not actually donating the money it's just like the charity gets the money i don't know how that works there's a youtube video out there you guys can go find it you can go watch it so but it's it not actually a tax break investors to see revenue Ugh. yeah and, and you know what why should we care about that that's not our job to care if hasbro you know, even if it was, oh, guys, by the way, uh, it's two hundred dollars for this one box. But then we're going to give you a promo code in the box to then go get another free box. And it's like it's all the same stuff. <laughs> like, who really cares? And and the sad thing is, I bet you the community, if Hasbro said, hey, guys, it's secret layers for a charity. It's twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, but to get it, you have to make a thirty dollar donation to X, Y, Z. I bet you no one would complain. It's the same thing, though. So you're saying if they had a paywall that was $30, that donation goes directly to them. $29 goes to the product as a byproduct of you doing it. I would actually probably be more accepting of that, but kind of circling back to the original, which is what the stores paid for it. I have no idea. I doubt it was close (laughs) to that because they knew this was going to be special. They knew that there were some high dollar things in there. So they know they're going to charge the stores more. Well, they give it to the distributors and the distributors church in the store more. But, but that's like saying that the Zendikar collector boosters, they got charged more because there's the potential for expeditions. I doubt that happened. Well, let me I, ruffle I'm not a big... papers, find some purchase order slips, and go <laughs> into some trash cans behind some LGSs and see what we can find. Well, as you guys could tell, that is Squee McGee with that Manolith commentary. Uh, Squee, first question, how many packs, because you don't buy boxes, how many packs of Commander Legends are you going to buy? And do you think you will get your value? Uh, Point two, do I think I'll get my value? Absolutely. How many packs am I going to buy? Undetermined. Depending on the value I get out, probably the first five or ten. (laughs) Well, so, <laughs> if we go on a double master string where I'd open three force of wills out of 12 packs and yeah I'll be buying more for sure because I already made my money back and got everything I ever wanted so, so yeah squee you are definitely what I was with modern horizons like I think I bought a box of modern horizons but then I just kept buying blister packs yep. after blister yeah. pack every time I go to the LGS or I go into Walmart if they have one sitting there I'm like well I guess I could I could open one just open one. It's no big it's like deal. Drugs. Open another one. Yeah, um, no, I do think I'm going to pick up a couple pre-release kits. So we'll start there and see where we go. Uh, if I happen to open a jeweled lotus, then yeah, you'll probably see me opening quite a few more of these. Uh, for those out there in the ether sphere, I do believe I'm going to open those pre-release kits on a uh, squeeze pack crack. So make sure to go to YouTube and check that out whenever we get that going. Yeah, um, Jewel Lotus, if it is still selling for what it was, uh, okay, now it's, so, well, full art foil is now down to 550 It was $1,000 for a minute. Wow. Uh, if I open a Buy a guy's full, grill. Don't buy that crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I open a Jewel Lotus foiled full art and I can sell it for $500, you best damn believe 
I'm gonna sell that SOB as quick as possible. Oh man, I'm gonna have and, like eBay up on my probably phone. Probably go buy an Avery. It's just gonna be like, I'll take a video of it so that people on eBay will be like, hey, open the pack, put it in the sleeve. This is the one you're getting. Buy it now, five hundred dollars. Let me go get my guy's cradle. I've been wanting forever. Yeah. Uh, I, I would go. I'd go buy an Aber Duel for for that kind of money. Yeah, um, or sure. a couple more Grim Monoliths or something off uh, some Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, get a uh, I don't something like that. Yeah, you I could buy the entire top tier commander deck for five hundred bucks. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you could build an incredible deck for that amount of money. But and no, we're gonna put it all into one card. Then, unless you draw it first turn, it's pretty worthless. <laughs> Well, if you guys want to know ways that you could possibly get your hands on a Jewel Lotus while supporting our sponsor and uh, and hence all the content that we put out, you should head over to level1gameshop.com and they sell all your Commander Legends needs that you, you might want. Uh, still good prices. I think I got my box for like $115 uh, just yesterday. So this had been eight days ago, nine days ago from when you guys hear this. Uh, still, still great people down there. Um, and of course, they're the ones that hook you guys up with the monthly giveaway. So giving them a little bit of cheddar helps keep that gravy train going. But if you would actually like to put some dollars in Swee's pocket to help him yes, when he ends up cracking multiple blister packs and getting no value, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have four different pledge levels and rewards vary from just getting access into the Discord to even getting your own set of CMD Tower playmat sleeve, squeeze coin, all the sweet swag that we do. Um, and we're going to be adding a new reward for all the patron tiers so make sure you go sign up we will start this in december probably mid-december before christmas uh will be the uh, not inaugural but secondary episode whatever the number two is the, the sequel or whatever <laughs> the, the sequel episode or the bicentennial of deck therapy where we will pick a random patron each month they will give us a, one of their commander decks they will give us one to two sentences about what they're trying to accomplish with that deck and whoever we have on the new segment for that episode will basically give them tier one two and three of cards that they recommend to add to the deck that will a immediately make a great impact uh, it'll make an impact, but you can probably get it in the next six months and see, hey, I just think this is real hilarious, but it definitely fits the theme. So we're always trying to bring more to our patron community. If you guys can't help from a monthly perspective, but you would actually still like to get some of the swag, just head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. We sell all the stuff on there. Um, please go get some sleeves, even maybe make an EDH cube out of it. That's what I'm doing. I'm buying our own sleeves to make our own cube. I'm cannibalizing ourselves. And if you if you don't buy them soon, I'm gonna eat all the sleeves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't eat that many, but you guys should definitely go buy some. Uh, and every episode, we want to give a big shout out to Pink Royal for the music in the beginning and the end. And hey, make sure you stay tuned, stay tuned till the end so you guys can get details on how you can win that Commander Legends bundle from Level 1 Game Shop. So Bruise and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, we have moved on to the endless themes that EDH can bring us. Each month will be a new theme, and we correlate how these decks are constructed similar to how a beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. That's grains. Yes, and grains are the foundation of any beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually at about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of a beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into your bigger threats. And just like the grain profile, they're usually 
mix of staples and specialty cards. How does your board interact with the rest of the board? That's hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories like IPAs or, like my most recent brew, a hop-blasted red ale. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. How does your deck actually close out or win games, which this deck honestly hasn't really done. It can kill people, though. We call that yeast. Yeast are actual living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content and the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans, which this deck could, in theory, run. Could be pet cards or synergies that are in the deck that are just kind of fun. We call that spice. Yes, and spices, although not in every beer, uh, help to help determine and recategorize beers from a normal stock beer into a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into jalapeno stout, or the addition of extra dry hops that turn an IPA into a double IPA. Again, not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we talk about it. And then to cap it off, we have redundancy. It's the bottle capping. These are going to be Mr. T's and I's cuts and adds to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. Only restriction is can't talk about mana only lands which i don't even know what you would really add to this deck to help with that but without further ado let's get brewing today we're talking feathers recycle bin um this is a feather the redeemed deck uh boros commander it initially was titled uh finally decent boros but since you guys know we're in the month of decks that we just don't ever play uh this deck has kind of fallen on its face for me. So, uh, Mr. T, if you could, why don't you read uh, what Feather actually does, and then I'll kind of unfold why I went this direction for Boros and where it maybe fell a little short. Absolutely. So, Feather the Redeemed. One red, two white. It is a legendary creature angel. It has flying, and the most important thing that made this general great and the most popular Boros Commander is whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step, and it is a 3-4. Yeah, so um, like Mr. T just said, it's the most popular Boros Commander. I think it's actually on EDH Rec rated as the 15th most popular commander. Um, I believe that's what it says. And th the reason is, is Boros is about the most boring color uh, you can build. Um, because it takes mono white, which is usually very boring, and mono red, which can be exciting and set the world on fire, but it has its limitations as well. So obviously those two colors together, they just their their weaknesses play on each other and, and it just hurts. So this deck or this commander turned what we call cantrip spells. And if you're not familiar with the cantrip spell, that's traditionally a single or couple mana spell that does a very minimal effect and draws a card. They're garbage in commander. It's what we call draft fodder. And a draft, having four of those in your deck is, well, fine, because you're just opening random packs, you have to build with what you have. But a commander, we play singleton, and you could have almost any card in Magic as long as it's apparently not um, a Paradox Engine, because that actually made this deck work really good. Um, I think they made a lot of decks work really good. Yeah. I, I think outside of Boros, it was pretty solid. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, it, it turned a lot of those garbage cards that we'll end up talking about into really, really good because it's no longer, well, I just paid a mana to maybe give my creature first strike and draw a card and then I did nothing else. Now it's like, oh, well, I got to first strike and draw a card and then I get the card back and then I can do it again and then I can do it again. And you just kind of keep rinsing and repeating. Where I feel like maybe I fell short on this deck and, and I'm sure we'll get into it. I have 21 instants in the deck, which you would think would be really, really good. But what ends up happening is I end up having two or three creatures well, play something, draw a card, play something, blink something out. Uh, let me uh, tap your thing down. It, it, and it's just, I'm I'm almost a non-factor. Uh, you know, I did talk about in a 40 life and a dash last week that I killed uh, Spencer with this deck because uh, I was wanting to play it a little bit before I recorded about it. Um, but I don't know, like Mr. T, when you when you look at Feather and kind of look at this build, what, what kind of comes to your mind? So, <laughs> a lot of do you want my garbage. do you want my honest answer or my politically correct answer when it comes to this? Hey, stuff? hey, look, it is titled Feathers Recycle Bin. Yes, there's a play on words because I'm recycling cards because I get to use them over and over again. But the other thing is, it is a piece of trash. So <laughs> it's okay. Go with your harsh hey, criticism. Hey, recycling right. is not trash. Yes. Just just for the record. <laughs> It's saving the planet. Captain Planet would love you. Yes. Um, or Don Cheadle. Or Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Oh, me too. What a video. Was that a Saturday Night? Uh, no, Saturday? that was a, uh, uh, what, not, a, not Adult it? Swim. It's College Humor. Yes, College Humor. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Okay. Oh, man. Wow, thanks for that. That just uh, that's gonna, I'm going to watch that tonight. <laughs> so... This build is, it seems like you were all over them. Yeah. I, I have played feather decks that just wreck shop. And I saw some interesting choices in there. There's going to be some choices that I was like, I, I probably wouldn't have done that. Sure. Um, it seems like you've tried to take multiple different routes. You had no focus path. Um, you have some stacks this, uh, you know, tax-based effects in here, but they're kind of drawn out by some of the other items in there. I think if you you need both a, I'm going to hit your hard route, but you also need to go wide route, and I think you have yep. some of that. Um, but overall, I, I'm not a huge fan of this build, but I think once we go through this, we can help find some really good stuff. But I have seen insanely power powerful feather decks. I mean, just you're going down. Yeah, I have to and I have two, not my deck, uh, but we have a guy in our play group, Duffman. He built a feather deck, and uh, he is, for full disclaimer, a modern player and uh, no, no, an arena Duff, guy. Duff is so a monster player, not a modern player. <laughs> that He's a too. monster player. And so, you know, he, he definitely has that train of thinking that probably works better for feather players. So I feel like feather players, you are almost playing with a... 60 card format perspective to where it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have as many of the same effect as possible. Um, and I'm just kind of rinsing and repeating and, you know, I'm going to can trip like six, seven times a turn. I'm, you know, getting burn damage off of enchantments. And I, I think to your point, the issue that I went is I was like, okay, 
There are a lot of heroic cards, which guys, if you're not familiar with heroics, whenever that creature's targeted with a spell or ability that you control, some effect happens. You know, maybe you create a one, one, maybe your creatures get plus one, plus one. So it's like, I try to do this weird build of let's have some heroic stuff. Let's make some tokens, but then, oh, what's good in Boros? Let's just grab good Boros cards, even though they do not fit the deck at all. And it's just, well, on its own, I look at this card, like there's a card I'm going to be cutting later that you would say, oh, you should always have that in, in a deck. That's great. And it's like, eh, not in this deck, because I don't run that many equipment. Hint, hint. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. With you. I think the one thing I did was able to do well. Well, actually, I take that back. I don't know. My CMC is a three one one. It does have a lot of cantrips in here, but maybe that's too high for a feather deck. I don't know. What do you think about that? Are fe do you think feather decks, if built right, should be a two five two six because you just got so many one drop cantrips? I think you're going to be riding that two line as much as possible. Um, oh, wow. You want to be... You have a couple of different options when it comes to Feather. Um, I have seen really powerful uh, tax-based Feather decks where they've got a ton of cantrips, they're doing small incremental things, but they are locking the opponents out at the same time, so it gives you more time. Then I've seen okay. the explosive ones where it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to get hit, and you're going to get hit hard. It, you just have to take a second to figure out where is that coming from. And okay. those work really, really well. Um, it, this seems like you had a couple of different thoughts in mind. Um, like I, I, I could have sworn I saw Chandra's Ignition on there, which is a great blowout card. Um, those sort of things you got to kind of build around. Like Calamax loves Chandra's Ignition, but it loves it because it's it needs it to become huge and you're going to kill everybody on the same turn. Sure. Um, and that's, that's the key to cards like that is if it's in there, that's a win. Card. If you have that in hand, you just have to have the right setup and you go, I win. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because games have to end, but there's some yes, other, do. there are some other cards that I think from a stats, uh, tax based leverage that I think could really fit in here nicely. I think if you went, you know, all your creatures were really taxes, um, then the rest would just be smooth sailing from there. Cool. Um, you know, the one thing I was surprised with, because I honestly have not tweaked with the mana base at all, and something we constantly talk about on Bruising Builds is, is your pie chart aligned? I actually wasn't that far off. Um, you know, I, I need a little bit more white pips than um, what I have available, but I think that margin is minimal to where I, I wouldn't want to go too far into that because then some of the spells where I need maybe double red, I, I could be hurting for that mountain. Um, so I actually think that's that's pretty pretty darn good there. And then from a budget perspective, we're sitting at 360 to 500, 540. Honestly, uh, I was kind of shocked it was that high, but you know, I do have some foil copies of specialty cards in here. Uh, I think you could probably build this deck as is for $300, $200. I, I think you could get a feather deck for dirt cheap. I mean, this is, you can get a powerful deck and use some inexpensive cards just do insane things. And I think that was one of the things that drew a lot of people towards Feather 
is because of the fact that it's like, oh, I just have this stuff in my box. It's draft shaft for years, and I just collect it, and I'm going <laughs> to sell it to a store at a thousand cards, random cards at a piece. Yes. That's, that's, I think, Feather's popularity came from a lot of that. But I yeah. can see that. All right. Well, let's let's get into this. We'll start with the greens. Uh, be in my deck. I'll start this off. So, as you guys have kind of seen, you know, the, the first deck I did this month was my Nehev deck. Um, and I talked about in the green section, I actually had a lot of burn spells, not X spells, but just flame rift for two. Everyone takes four damage each um, because Nehev, that's how he generates mana and how he generates getting my board state set. So one of the things that in this feather build, it's all about how am I able to get in the red zone quick how do I generate tokens and how do I draw cards and produce mana? Not, I'm asking very tiny things. These are not big stretches uh, for Boros. Boros does all that stuff great. Um, so my first one though, is a card that allows me to get in the red zone quick, but at the same time also draw a card for cheap. Uh, we're talking about Expedite. So Expedite's a single red. It's an instant from Battle Bond, or at least my copy is. Um, I think it's been printed a billion times. Uh, target creature gains haste until end of turn. Draw a card. Uh, I ran and thunder follows. So <laughs> the reason I like this card, and we'll get into it, I have a lot of creatures that when this creature attacks, make these tokens. Well, how can I really get my board state set if I play it and then I have to wait a whole rotation to maybe do it again? So with Feather's Effect, well, I can either expedite onto Feather, get in for early command damage. I can expedite onto these other creatures to now quickly uh, get in damage and at the same time make tokens to help establish the board state. And all the while, I'm always drawing a card. Um, and that's just, you need card draw on Boros. And this is actually a decent way, like uh, Mr. T had mentioned on the news segment earlier in the week, oh, I think it's two mana to draw a card, it's fine. Well, you know what, sir? How about one mana to draw a card? <laughs> Feels Even better. Oh, man. All right. Well, what is your first green card? All right. I'm going to start this. You know how, like, when your pets pee on the floor or they, have, they pee on the floor and you know the whole new internet meme where it's like take a picture of a pet shaming and you put oh, a little yeah. sign next to them? I, I'm going to have to shame you on this one because I saw it and I was like, oh, you're going to have to explain yourself. Gilded okay. Lotus. What? What? Why? Five <laughs> mana? <laughs> you want to know why your curve is high? That's why your curve is high. <laughs> well, what does Gilded Lotus do? And then uh, we can talk about it. All right. So Gilded Lotus, completely useless card, is a five <laughs> mana artifact that says tap and add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. So here's the thing. Um, I, I like we're doing this deck this month for a reason. It's because I never play it. Um, I think I've played the deck twice since Paradox Engine got banned. Okay. This deck worked better with Paradox Engine because cards like Gilded Lotus actually were good. Because yes. I could use it to cantrip and then it's going to untap and I could kind of continue that train and thread. So that was the thought behind it having Gilded Lotus in the deck and not maybe a cheaper Mana Rock or uh, even I, yeah, I, wait, no, because Modern Horizons was, yeah, so I would have built this right before Modern Horizons came out, so I didn't even have time to put in that Mana Rock mm -hmm. into the deck, so, because that would have been a good one. Uh, but yeah, that was the whole thought was, 
Paradox Engine. Yes, Gilded Lotus on its own is not a good rate for this deck. But if I can have that in Paradox Engine, man, that's a lot of free mana each turn. Oh, absolutely. Do some stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, come on, okay, so then I can also make the argument, we're in Boros, I need all the ramp I can get. There we go. Hold on, hold on. Boros <laughs> has any two paired colors has incredible ramp. There is, there is enough ramp at this point. There are enough two mana rocks to have this kind of going. And actually, one of the things we're going to discuss when we get to your grains build is a way to handle some of these. Because there's one I want you to ditch, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess I don't have a land tax in here, so I can't say I've tried everything. Yeah, because I mean, All right. that's, that's, that's where I'm going to sit on that one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so my next one I want to talk about is something that does buff my attacking creature. So it could be considered a yeast, but I have it more here in the hops because it's one of the the few that will generate tokens. Kind of somewhat, she has a big butt, but then at the same time, I don't have to target her with the spell to generate the tokens, like a heroic effect. Hero of Bladehold. Awesome card. Um, two colorless, white, white. Wow, almost $14. Good God. Um, creature Human Knight. It's a mythic. It's a 3-4, and it has Battle Cry. So whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And then when Hero of Bladehold attacks, put two one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So... You know, there is some inherent risk with Hero of Bladehold, and I do have some kind of shenanigan things we'll get into in the hop section to where I can kind of protect her and still generate <laughs> my tokens. Um, but, you know, the, it, it's it's something that in the build, it, the thought was get a lot of tokens, not necessarily go wide. I guess it'd be the go fluffy amount of creatures. I'm looking to have between six and ten creatures and be able to attack and then kind of universally buff everyone, use my cantrip spells to get them back to hand to give this particular one double strike or this one plus three plus three. And Hero Bladehold helps me early in the game. A, it's not overly expensive mana-wise, but then also B, making those uh, extra attackers. I like it. I like that logic a lot. I liked it so much that I also picked it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Coming in with the, uh, what, what do they call that? Like the NBA? It was like, oh, it was a late call. It was a late call. That was a late matching call right there. No, it, it was the delayed. It, it's because he, he lives in the Atlanta area. It's currently over uh, going through the zombie apocalypse. Ah, yes, yes, but yes, you know, he still has dial-up internet to, to do this. Exactly. <laughs> So did you did you pick it for kind of those same reasons? Yes, it is. It's a card that I like, um, and it's more of a nostalgia thing for me because I remember okay. this in standard. Um, I, I like that card a lot. I think it's got a lot of good things that it can do, and I kind of see some of the relationships there that you have. Um, so yeah, it's about it's about on the same part there. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, what would be your last grain card then? A card that I, I, I and this is one that I kind of want to get other people's thoughts on, so feel free to shoot us comments after the video as well. Bandage. Bandage. It's. I know it draws you a card. You get it back to your yep. hand. That sounds great. Um, what was your thought there? Was it just the draw ability that you kind of wanted? So it's the draw and the prevent one. Because I have seen some times in a game where someone says, okay, uh, 
the biggest toughness on the board. And it's like eight. And it's like, okay. Well, for eight, I'm going to do eight damage to each creature. And it's just like, well, balls. That kind of sucks. So Feather does draw hate. Inherently so. And I don't, I mean, I guess I don't have the right Feather build uh, to be ha people hating on me. I guess I'm somewhat like Big Tuck's Zer cycling deck instead of Zer competitive. And so I, I put it in there because it is a card draw. It is hilarious. I just had it sitting in my chaff stuff. But then also, if someone's like, ah, oh, man, Mr. Combo's going off, Feather's at what, four? Okay, I can, I can deal four damage, and they try to do the four damage. And it's like, well, bandage, prevent the one. And I, and hopefully I should be fine, because maybe that was an X spell, or you needed mm -hmm. that exact amount. So that's somewhat the thought, but it's a stretch of a thought. <laughs> it's a, really, you want the card, but this is, you know, this has an added upside to it. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think if there was another card that was, once again, one mana draw card, and it had another relevant effect... I would definitely entertain swapping those two. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. All right. My last one. It's going to sound boring, but it's a cool tech in this deck. Some people might ask, Mr. Combo, why is Path to Exile in your grains? Well, I'll teach you, young ones. Path to Exile, one white, instant. Exile target creature, its controller may search their library for a basic land, put it on the battlefield, tapped, and shuffle their library. I put it in the grains because this deck, and Mr. T kind of talked about it, where it does, it's like, it doesn't know what it wants to do. Is it going wide? Is it hitting hard? Is it taxing? Like, what are you trying to do? Well, there is enough token generation in the deck that a lot of times I will path to exile my own tokens Go get basic lands, put Path to Exile back to hand, do it again, and it's somewhat of a one mana, I guess, um, oh, Farseek or Rampant Growth. Uh, it's just one mana over and over and over again, and then be able to go get my lands that I need. So it, it, it's an interesting one, and then it's always there as the modality backup for its traditional use. Okay, I need to exile that person's creature. Well, I guess I just don't get to ramp any further. No, I like it. It makes total sense. I've never heard of Path to Exile as a ramp card, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I actually, I do think I either myself or I witnessed someone do it uh, in a non-feather deck. They they were like, God, I keep missing land drops. Well, I guess I'll path to exile my own creature. Uh, I, have, I have Beast Within something on my own board to get a token out once. That <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the uh, ramp in the greens. Now we're going to head over to the board state and hops. And uh, Mr. T, why don't you start us off? What's your first card you want to talk about? All right. So the first card I want to talk about is that tax effect. And okay. you have it, which is Thalia. Thalia oh, yeah. has that little, you know, hey, your stuff's going to come in slower. And mm -hmm. I, I like these sort of effects. And Boros... Boros can't, like you were saying, you're pathing your own stuff to go get a land. Boros can't <laughs> keep up with that. So the best thing that Boros can do is slow down your opponents or stop what they're sure. trying to do. And that's why I like Thalia, Heretics, uh, Cathar so much. And Thalia is two colors, one white, a legendary creature, human soldier, so you can build a deck around her. 
creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tap. This is a great card. Um, yep. It takes advantage of so many things that white does so well, and it's compressed into one nice little package. I like this card a lot. Um, it, it, I find excuses to put her in a lot of decks, even though she may, it may not be a taxing deck. It's just, it's so three mana first strike, and then your guys' creatures and non-basics are coming in tap. That's such good value. 100%. 100%. And that's, if, I, if this was my deck, that would be the, the way I would take it. I would still have some of the go-wides, but I would definitely have more of a, I'm going to lock down your mode of play or make you play fair magic. And Do you hear that, Collective? I'm being encouraged by the founder of CMD Tower to create more stacks decks. You're welcome. It's, Don't do it. Don't do it. It's tax, not stacks. Stacks is just a pain in the ass. Hey, hey, hey. They're the same thing. Tax, no, they're not. Part of stacks. Look at the spelling. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was thinking about this. And they're, they're, this isn't part of my bottle capping side, but cards that I could see going into this easily and creating a huge impact. Um, Dranith Mage, or what is it? Dranith Magistrate? Dranith Magistrate. Perfect card for this deck. You're going to keep some people <laughs> off their play. Another one that would be perfect in here, and it's a 20-cent card, Emulation Champion. It is a card, so Immolation Shaman, so for those who don't know or remember this, it came out in Ravnica Allegiance. It's a one red, one colorless. Essentially what it does is whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land that isn't a mana ability, Immolation Shaman does one damage to that player. You can also, oh, okay. you can also pump him up, but that's rarely the point behind him. Uh, this That sort of card in these sort of decks makes it so they can't go off with, you know, creature effects, or I'm going to just tap my lands a bunch of different ways, or artifact shenanigans going infinite, because they'll kill themselves. So these are those tiny little tweaks, and I'm like, if you're going to build a tax deck, put it in there. I mean, these are where I'd be putting the creatures. Okay. That's... I know it's mean, but that's kind of what I'm thinking here. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just I already have a Commander Esha Voltron tax deck, if we want to call it that. Uh, I got a Lavidia Azorius lockdown deck uh, that is definitely tax with stacks. Now apparently I need this. What I'm seeing is every deck that I have that has white, I need to be taxing people uh, to play with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you have some tax cards in here already. I mean, like your grain build. Smothering Tithe is a great example. That's a ramp card. That's the way that white ramps. <laughs> no, it's a tax effect. They either pay you, pay for the, the crime they're about to commit, or you get an artifact. And that's in the deck. <laughs> Take that to the next level. But tax isn't supposed well, to be for crimes. Tax is just for living. <laughs> Same concept. <laughs> No, that's even worse, because Smothering Tithe is a tax just for living. You don't have a choice. You have to draw a card at your uh, draw step. That is true. <laughs> there you go. There's cards that let you skip your your uh, untap and your draw phases. Do those. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to your list. It comes out, then you're like, well, shutting the whole thing down. <laughs> Necropotence. All right. Uh, well, my first one, it's along the same lines as Path to Exile. Boring card, but you could just, in a feather deck, you could do it in a very cool way. 
Chaos Warp. Uh, probably one of the best removal cards in all of Magic, uh, to just be frank. Two colorless red instant. The owner of target permanent shuffles it into their library, then reveals the top card of their library. If it's a permanent card, they put it onto the battlefield. So the, the one potential negative is that 24% of the deck is a, not a permanent. It's an instant or sorcery. So I guess you would actually say 23% because you'd obviously be casting the Chaos Warp. But I make tokens. Hey, uh, and one and this, gosh, this makes me so frustrated. This is where Paradox Engine was perfect for this deck because every person's turn, it was, oh, you're going to pass the turn. Well, I'll cast Chaos Warp on my token. I'll get something else, maybe a Smothering Type. Oh, you know what? I'll also path to exile, you know, one of my tokens and go get a mountain. And then I untap my uh, Gilded Lotus that apparently is a trash card. Uh, it goes <laughs> over to the next person's turn and I can do it again. So I'm bringing up these cards because this is the way that I wanted to build it. And I think these are, I think they're still a home for this type of stuff in a feathered deck, but just maybe not as much now, unless you do like unwinding clock type shenanigans. Um, but Chaos Warp in general is just an amazing card. I just like it in here because it's like I can turn these tokens into legitimate either instant sorcery cards uh, that, you know what, I'll have other ways to uh, draw them, or I'm getting a bomb permanent card that's really going to put me ahead. Oh, no doubt. It's, that is a red staple, should be in every single red deck. I know you're not supposed to say that for Commander and say it should be in every deck. If you're playing red, Chaos Warp is your friend. Believe me, we have said the word staple on this cast just a few times. <laughs> well, I mean, if we just wanted to say there... Chaos Warp, um, Swords to Plowshare, Path to Exile. Uh, I'm trying to th uh, Beast Within, uh, Generous Gift. Pongify, well. Ponga, well, no, Pongify is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, I'm just thinking of like the staple cards. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I would put Brainstorm in there. Sure. Brainstorm's a staple. You should yeah. absolutely run Brainstorm in every deck. Uh, and Black's a tough one. I mean, I guess if we're throwing budget out the window, Vampiric and Demonic Tutor. Sure. Oh, like, no. I don't know why you would never run those. Right. I'm with you uh, there. But I would yeah. say like a Black staple card for me, any deck that I have that runs Black has a reanimate in it. And I may not use my graveyard. Okay. I know my opponents are going to have something. <laughs> this will ruffle some feathers, but I'm a, I'm a Phyrexian Arena guy. Love it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, it's better than Bitter Blossom yeah. trash card. Yeah, it is, right? Just a garbage. Depends <laughs> on the deck. <laughs> hey, at least he's on trash board card. where he's not like, oh yeah, it's just absolutely great across the board. Like everybody else in Magic, because that card's not worth thirty dollars. That's because it needed to get a reprint. <laughs> they just did three visits. There's fairies on the card. Could have easily been in there, but I'll take three visits for right now. <laughs> Well, Mr. T, what's your second hops card? Uh, my second hops card was where I actually started trying to decipher what your deck did or attempted. <laughs> um, okay. And that was Reconnaissance. And yes, mine too. Ooh, look at that. See? Great minds. Um, yeah. <laughs> Reconnaissance is an enchantment. It is an old school one. Um, I love yeah. old school cards. Uh, it's one way. Basically says... For zero mana, remove target attacking creature you control from combat 
and untap it. Solid, solid card. Um, this is one of those cards that I can kind of see why you have that protection for some of your creatures. Um, mm -hmm. And I can see people leveraging this uh, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it, the whole reason I put it in the deck, A, um, uh, a player that used to play in our playgroup, Mikkel, actually introduced Reconnaissance to us. from He had it in his Edgar Markov deck. Filthy. Just disgusting. Um, so I got to see the card a lot on, on a monthly basis. And when Feather came around, I was like, okay, well, how am I building this? And I kind of decided, you know, I got a lot of those creatures um, that, you know, handwear garrisons, uh, that, you know, you attack, you make the tokens, uh, but there has to be a way to protect it because the easiest thing is if your opponents are smart, it's like, okay, well, Mr. Combo keeps swinging this handwear garrisons at me and making two one, one red human creature tokens that are also tapped at attacking. Why don't I just kill his two, three? That seems pretty simple. And so this is a way that. Okay, I attack. I'm not sure how you're going to block. Oh, now you're going to block with these things. Well, I'll just pull the stuff out of combat. I did no damage, but I still made my tokens. I still got to do that thing. Um, or even things like, I believe it's evacuation, return all attacking creatures to their owner's that hands. Yep. That sounds right. So blue player, haha, I gotcha. It's like, haha. Take the fingers, I remove them all from combat, uh, they don't get impacted. So it's 100% a protection route because it allows the deck to still establish its grains while potentially getting in some damage or potentially not. I like it. Good card. All right, my last one. And this one we had to do a little rule lowering on. Uh, not, not. It wasn't an argument. They just uh, hamburger demon poop didn't realize it could work this way. Fell the mighty. Such a good card for this deck. I don't like it as a white. There's better whiteboard wipes, but this deck is phenomenal. Four colorless white. It's a sorcery. Destroy all creatures with power greater than target creatures' power. Nice. So nine times out of ten, I'm targeting feather and I'm blowing up everything power four or greater. And most of the time, that will wipe the majority of the board. Every single time. And then I get the card back, and then I will do it again over and over and kind of have this. You're going to hit me with the Ron Burgundy logic? Most of the time, this will work every time? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, all right. All right. I see where we're except, at. Except I'm, uh, except I'm never in a glass cage of emotion uh, <laughs> drinking hot milk. <laughs> So, yeah, the, I, I think this is better than a Wrath of God in this deck. I think it's better than even a, um, oh, the overloaded white Path to Exile card. Drawing a blank on it now. Uh, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Yeah, it's from Modern Horizons. I should know it. That's basically my baby. <laughs> but I, I think this is—I think this is the best board wipe you could put in this deck. I like it. I like it a lot. I bet you do, you <laughs> dirty tax player. <laughs> All right, tax player. Uh, what is your last hop card? All right. So, in the same line of thought, and I realize what you were trying to do with reconnaissance. Okay. I think you're leaving yourself open with this other card. And it's it I'll tell you what the card is and I'll tell you where you think you're you're leaving yourself open. Okay. Is Long Road Home. Uh, 
Long Road Home is an instant for one colorless, one white. Exile target creature. At the beginning of the next end step, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control with a plus one, plus one counter. This is one of those things that I can see, specifically I would tell players to watch out for this, and that's with the new commander of Becca. Um, sure. If I target your commander with, let's say, I don't know, uh, Path to Exile, you, on, so I'm doing this on my turn, you use this to defend your general, you let it go into exile, well, if I end my turn, that general's never coming back. But that just makes me a very, very bad magic player. Because clearly I know you're playing Obeka, and so I wouldn't be stupid enough to do that. But that's the thing, is it's a new general. People are not going to quite understand what end the turn means. <laughs> so all I'm saying is with cards, like I thought this was a perfect PSA announcement right here. Well, actually, personal public service announcement, so it's just a PSA. So it's not an ATM machine. <laughs> Um, so yeah. But, so actually, hmm. So Obeka only works though when it's your turn. Yes. So if I target your general, yes, yeah. seeing you do these I, tricks, then I can end it on my turn. So if I do yeah, this, I'm just more getting to the point. If like I know you run that commander, but then even so, it only happens on your turn. I shouldn't be dumb enough. I should just let the path to exile happen and all's fair and good. But I, I do see the potential scariness because the, the same logic could be used if you had Sundial of the Infinite in your deck. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would also say there's also a political game you can play with this card, too, which is if there is an Obeka player, you ask them what they want to remove because <laughs> this will get rid of anything permanently. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. And that's actually been one of the things that I struggle with when I play this deck is these targeted effects that, in theory, I want to constantly be recycling in my bin when I eventually I do or eventually when I should use them on my opponents. It's like, do I want to, though? Because then that means I can't use it again. And then it becomes a bad card again. Yes. It becomes a draft chaff if I start using it on my opponents. So uh, that's something I think once we get to the bottle capping, hopefully there's some good cuts and ads, and I can maybe get out of that mindset. Because I do think that's probably held me back a little bit with this deck. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the hot profile. Now we're going to head over to the yeast. And I'll start this off with... Uh, a new card from Theros Beyond Death. We talked about how I kind of go this fluffy, you know, six to ten creatures. Phalanax Tactics? Phalanix? Phalanax. Uh, is it is it Phanax? There's an L in there. Phalanx? Phalanix? Yeah, because Phanax is P-H-E-N-A-X. I don't know. Something tactics. It looks like <laughs> Felicio Tactics. Uh, this is a colorless white instant from Theros Beyond Death. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus one until the end of your turn. Each other creature you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Once again, on its own, not a good card for Commander. But in a Feather deck, as long as I have Feather out there, I'm potentially buffing my board for two mana upwards of at least seven or eight, and then I get it back. And then if my creatures had vigilance from something, you now are like, oh, God, I can't swing into him. 
he can just buff everything up and kill all my stuff. <laughs> um, it, it, it does a lot. Now, could you say this is maybe more of a hops card or a grain card? Maybe. Um, but I, I think if the deck is doing what it should be doing, which is have three to four creatures power three to five, and then maybe three to five creatures power one or two, this does a lot. Right, totally like it. I like the card a lot. All right, what is your first yeast? I, I'm gonna feel bad and say I didn't actually realize this was a card, even though I probably should have. Um, it's, okay. It's just because I, I don't like when people see dragons, they're like, oh, f yeah, dragons. And I'm like, yeah, it's a dragon. <laughs> swings, uh, does something. It's a Dargon. It's a Dargon. 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 Um, this is Mirror Wing Dragon. And I, I, I was like, I saw Zada. I expected Zada. And I was like, Mirror Wing Dragon. What? Oh, shit. It's just another Zada. <laughs> so I like it. But it's better than Zada, or it's different than Zada. So why don't you read it off? And we'll, right. we'll we'll peel that onion. So Mirror Wing Dragon, three colorless, uh, two red. Uh, it's creature dragon, duh. Uh, flying. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Mirror Wing Dragon, that player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So the thing I like about Mirrorwing Dragon over Zada, people see Zada, murder, path to exile, swords to plowshare, F and killing her, get out of here. Mirrorwing, if anyone does targeted removal, uh, spell-wise, instant sorcery on Mirrorwing, it removes their entire board. That is a nifty trick. Yeah. Um, it, it basically, it's, it's, I look at Mirrorwing Dragon similar to how I look at a certain indestructible angel that may or may not get talked about to where people kind of have to make the decision of am I like rifting everything like whatever I do has to be a big dramatic thing I can't just oh pay three mana murder or hey I'll do negative 13 negative 13 do a morbid effect tragic slip it, it makes you have to think 4d chess with a mirror wing when you want to target remove it because basically your only option is board wipe and if you don't board wipe it's not going away unless you just want to get rid of your entire board or you have no board i guess that could be an option but yeah it, it's definitely a redundant piece for zada um or with zada but i do like the fact that it can protect itself from uh, opponents and you've been talking a lot about politics this could be a politics piece hey uh, if you want to kill Squee McGee, don't. I'll let you target my Mirrorwing Dragon with your plus one, plus one effect, and then all your creatures get plus one, plus one, instead of just one. Could be, I guess, kind of used for that. Oh, totally. I like, the, after that game passed this past Saturday, I was like, I am all about politics, because that's what made that game fun. Oh, God, he's turning into Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> <laughs> get him a Veldakinori. <laughs> Oh, I'm surprised I didn't put that card in Commander Legends. Anyways, uh, my next yeast card is a very cool card. Um, Unleash Fury. So, one colorless red, instant, double the power of target creature until end of turn. Few things. Obviously, doubling the power is great. It's using target, so I'm going to get it back with Feather. But the other thing I like about it, it doesn't say target creature you control. 
opens up the politics game because this deck doesn't play that well. It could be something to where maybe the only thing I'm doing is being a thorn in someone's side. And I could be like, hey, Squee, dude, we got to kill MTG Lord of Leaves because he's obviously the enemy of all casts. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this big, powerful thing. Or, ooh, you got Crater Hoof, but you don't have quite enough power. Play your Crater Hoof, and I'll unleash Fury on it. And, you know, I'll double the power. I'll waste my card to boost your thing and hopefully gain an ally. Even though I lose it, it's okay. Um, it, it's really good. And then, obviously, we just talked about Mirror Wing Dragon. If I cast it on Mirror Wing Dragon, holy crap. Yeah, I need to put this on that Acroma Angel from the old news segment here on Tuesday. That would be real nice. That'd be gross. Absolutely. All right. What is your next yeast card? Um, this is one that I see in a lot of decks, and I was curious. I, I just picked it because I was curious about the logic, but after kind of talking through it, I think I see where some of that's coming from. Mere Battlesphere. Uh, this uh, is an yep. old, old school card, but it's been reprinted a billion times. Uh, Mere Still Battlesphere. $10. <laughs> no, that's, yours is a foil from... Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Scars. Scars. So it's the, I think this was the original. Uh, actually, yeah, it was. Um, Mere Battlesphere, for those who don't know, I don't know how you don't know this, but hey, it's always a possibility. <laughs> Artifacts, seven colorless mana. It's a creature... When Mirror Battlesphere enters the battlefield, put four 1-1 colorless Mirror Artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. Whenever Mirror Battlesphere attacks, you uh, may tap X, uh, untap Mirror. You control if you do. Mirror Battlesphere gets plus X plus zero until the end of the turn and deals X damage to defending player. So was this so- part of your go-wide? Kind of. So the the whole concept behind this is I have multiple of those blink effect cards yeah. like ephemerate, uh, cloud shift. So the idea was mirror battlesphere on its own is a good card, but I would argue for seven mana being able to deal four damage and then having a eight seven attacker isn't a, the best rate in the world i feel like you need to be able to do something with it and so the thought is well i can play mere battlesphere and then just use all these one mana cantrips and on the one rotation around the table i'll actually have what four eight twelve i'll have 16 mirrors that i can then attack 16 to your face and now you got a 27 coming at you oh you're gonna you're gonna kill it reconnaissance let's pull it out oh i was gonna blink it anyways i'll go ahead and blink it um it's supposed to be a lot of those types of effects and uh, as you were reading the card i was thinking like i still think that's a great idea but i know a card that squee is really big into is divine visitation yes, <laughs> i was wonder if that card has a home in this turn all the one ones that i'm making into four four flying angels that seems pretty good seems pretty nice. i think that that card right there is a wooden con in itself if you have a way to feed it and yeah more angels uh, more better in my mind uh, <laughs> more angels, more better. That has to be a bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm in the South, so there probably is a sticker that says more angels, more better. More angels, more better. It's got a picture of Ricky Bobby sitting on it. Oh, I'm totally on board for that. All right. Well, my last yeast card is a very expensive card. 
It's so powerful, and uh, we talked about this a few weeks back, Mr. T, that when I first got into Magic and I saw this card, I bought like five or six copies of it, because I thought, oh, it's a slam dunk in every Commander deck. Uh, it's really not. Chroma's Memorial. Seven colorless, legendary artifact. 2828 for the Magic 13 copy I have, which might have been its first printing, might have been a little earlier. Uh, but creatures I control have Flying, First Strike, Vigilance, Trample, Haste, Protection from Black, Protection from Red. And if you were counting, that's seven effects for seven mana. So good. And I think if I went more into that go wide, something like this lands kind of like an Eldrazi's Monument, you should win the game or get pretty darn close to it. Yeah. Um, a Chromos Memorial is a solid card. I think probably five years ago, four or five years ago, this was a huge thing in token decks. Um, I think it, as the, as we kind of talk about, was the mana curves are dropping. So has this, because I, every time I look at a card, if it's above three mana for me, I have to really appreciate what it's going to do. Um, wow. And, and that's that's just me personally. And I'm not a CEH player. I, I sure I would never survive in that realm just because <laughs> my brain doesn't work that way. Um but when I see seven mana, I'm like, it's it's gotta be f game winning at that point. Because the way I compare it, I was like, seven mana is cyclonic rift. Seven mana yeah. is expropriate. This is expropriate? No. Nine. Nine, yeah, there you go, nine. Sorry. Um Rise of the Dark Realms, nine. Yeah, exactly. It's got to... It's, if it's up that high, I want it to almost win the game by itself. Yeah. yeah. I agree, and I even think for this deck, I don't know if you notice, it's kind of a non-bow. Yeah. What my deck's trying to do. <laughs> yeah, so guys, the protection from red means all those red cantrips that I want to cast on my creatures, I can't. Yeah. So it basically neuters, in theory, half of my deck uh, that I'm trying to cast on things. Uh, and of course, the red cards are like Unleash Fury to double the power of all the creatures I have. <laughs> uh, I got ones that give creatures like plus three, plus three. And um, yeah, it, 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 it is not the best. But I think when I built this deck a couple years ago, I was still just kind of, I think I was coming off of the Akroma's Memorial train, but I was like, oh man, but this deck's gonna have a lot of creatures. It, I think I think it's there. Um, and, I, and I think probably I could just find a different home for this copy or even just put it in my uh, 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 EDH uh, draft kit that I'm putting together. I think it'd probably be great in there. Um, but yeah, it's, I agree. I, I think it's now when you talk seven mana, unless there's a way that you can abuse it. Like we talked about with mere Battlesphere, like there's ways you can abuse that and get a lot of tokens. You can't really abuse Chroma's Memorial. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. I have this mental image of a Chroma just hanging onto the caboose of a train, which is your deck and just like flapping in the wind and it's about to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <sighs> no, if anything, she'd take her like sword and just cut out the tracks from underneath me and be like, you don't deserve me. <laughs> and as I'm like falling off the mountain about to plunge to my doom, she just flies off to another deck. <laughs> well, I think you found the better fit. And it, 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 this would be my last use card, but you found the right fit if you're going that path, which was Audric. Audric oh, yeah. basically does, if you have the spell that turns one thing into that thing, you're getting all the rest. And mm -hmm. 
Podrick is all about the attack. Works out brilliantly. Um, I, I think this is where you could kind of put it. I mean, the other Audric would also fit perfectly in here. So let, let me clear up which one we have in here. So Audric, Master Tacticianer, two colorless, two white, first strike, whenever Audric, Master Tacticianer, and at least three other creatures attack, you can choose which creatures can block in combat and Basically, you choose how they block. So most of the time, you're either going to be like, okay, I want your... No blocks. No blocks <laughs> is the most common thing. And that's that's really what your deck needs, is if you're going that route, just swing in. You already got a few of the tokens. Swing out and just win that way. Um, because you don't have to give them protection if they can't block you. So <laughs> just call it a day of that. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I think Odric... He works in go tall, go fluffy, go wide. It does not matter. This dude. Yeah, he works in go. He's almost. No, he's better. He's better than Miri Weatherlight Duelist. Um, for sure, because I guess he could just say no blocks opposed to, well, you can only block with one. Um, yeah, I I like Odric, and I do think if I, you know, put and I won't say the card's name. I actually have a copy. Didn't put it in the deck. The most popular uh, prowess card out there, the the mythic. Just in case you're adding it, I'm not. Uh, but I think if I added more of the cards to where I'm casting these cantrip-like spells, I'm generating tokens, and then whether I give all the tokens the effect or not, I'm either turning them into 4-4s four or they're getting something out of it. Um, cards like Odric are going to help me actually win the game, opposed to like, well... I guess I double the power of feather and hit you for six and sit back and do nothing else because I got three tokens and a one creature. So I vote Odric's new nickname is Godric. <laughs> Godric. I like then it. you get it mixed up with Goad. No, 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 no. It's got to be That's just confusing. Godric. Godric. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the yeast package, guys. Now we're going to head over to the spice. Mr. T, there's actually few options in here and some of them i i already know uh multiple of these actually need to get cut but which <laughs> one did you want to at least talk about before we take them to the chopping block all right <clears throat> so this follows in line with gilded lotus this card was great in its day it was fantastic in its day but it's too much of a lightning rod and too slow in my opinion. And that is, and I know this is going to piss a few people off, but I'm going to say it anyways. Assemble the Legion. That's mine too. Yeah. So, okay. You read the card. I will tell you why I wanted to talk about it. Cause I think it is spicy for the deck. And then why don't you give your thoughts on why you probably don't think it's very good. I, there's only one deck that should play assemble the Legion ever. And Zedru. Yes, exactly. You just want something to hand to somebody. You're like, here's a token. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's all Zedru's ever going to give you. Um, but Assemble the Legion, it is an enchantment for three colors, one red, one white. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, put a muster counter on Assemble the Legion. Then put a, plus, uh, a one, one red and white soldier creature token uh, with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on the Assemble the Legion. So the thought process is term, uh, this is part of the reason I don't like this card is because it doesn't I would, if this card would be better to me if it happened at some point during that first turn. 
Um, yeah. First, go around the table, you get one creature. Second, go around the table, you get two. Third time around the creature, you get three. So if this sits out on the battlefield, yeah, you could get a lot out of it. But to me, I'm like, lightning rod, blow it up. <laughs> so here's here's the reason I liked it. And uh, you hit the nail on the head with Z-Drew. Literally, we found out about the card because of Mikael. He had a Z-Drew deck. He ran Assemble the Legion. And I saw it work a lot. And I was like, God, that's filthy. I should clearly put it in this Boros deck because it's Boros. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I, I do agree. It's probably too slow for a feathered deck. I think an Iro's got a victory deck. It probably still has a home in. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know. There's really no other good or decent Boros commanders worth talking about. Uh, but here's the thing that I, I do think gets overlooked. It is an enchantment. Enchantment removal is one of the hardest removals to come by. Yes, it is one, then two, then three. But if we just use that example, I got six tokens over three turns. Then I'm about to be at 10. Then I'm going to be at 15. Then I'm at 21. So unless people are board wiping every turn, if as long as it doesn't include enchantments, which a lot of board wipes don't, I'm going to make more tokens. So that's where, to me, this is the perfect spice card for Feather. It does what Feather wants, which is have a lot of targets for spells, but it does it on a kind of slow rate, and it sort of works. It's not the best, but like, for example, I have Dragon Master Outcast in the deck at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control six or more lands, put out a 5-5 red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. You could almost argue that this is about as slow as that is. Because you're also banking on Boros having hitting a land drop every turn, which sometimes doesn't happen. Um, so I get why you have reservations on it. I also think, though, that unless we kind of trim the fat, maybe took this from a 60-inch waist down to a, a 48, 46, unless we're trimming off that much, I don't know. It, it's still a cute card to have. And honestly, I'd rather them waste a enchant removal on this than maybe, you know, my Akroma's Memorial because it was a disenchant, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, I got you. I got you. It, sometimes a lightning rod has a purpose, which is just yeah. to get struck and your other things to be safe because it got burnt out on the other one. For sure. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to head over to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, these would be Mr. T's and I's cuts and adds to Feathers Recycling Bin. Uh, they're going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So, first card I'm going to cut, I literally just added in the last, I guess it's now been, God, it's November. Uh, added it last January. Hactos the Unscarred. Thought this card was going to be way better for this deck than it actually is. So it's double red, double white, legendary creature, human warrior. It's a 6-1. It attacks each combat as able, if able. It ETBs choose two, three, or four at random. Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. Well... I hate to break this to you guys, but a lot of my cantrip spells are CMC1. Can't really target Hactos with any of them. And then there is a 66.66% chance that I won't be able to target him with which ones I have at CMC2. Does not work in the deck 
at all. It is purely a cute Boros card that uh, I got hyped up on it thinking it'd be great for Feather, and then I actually played it once, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then I was doing my ads today, getting the deck updated, and it's like, oh, this is really not good. <laughs> so... Any thoughts on that or pretty much agree the same thing? <laughs> no, I, I'm 100% agreement there. <laughs> Here's a card I think you will like, though. This came out in Ikoria. Fight is one. Just a single white. It's an instant. You can choose one or both. Target human creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains indestructible until end of turn. Target non-human creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains indestructible until end of turn. So Feather's not a human, so if I target her, I'll just pick non-human, and why wouldn't you? But I have plenty of humans in the deck, Annex and Sea Maid. Um, I got the, uh, oh, where is it? Do, 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 do. Of course I talk about all the humans I have, and then I, of course, can't just put my cursor over another human that I have in the deck. <laughs> Uh, like Hanwar Garrison, for example. So I have several humans in the deck that I could target with the other one. Mm -hmm. But the worst case scenario is I always get to target one of my other things. And it's going to get indestructible and plus one, plus one for one mana. Basically a protection spell. And I think that is going to do way more than some four drop Achilles wannabe that doesn't work in the deck. Yeah. All right, what's your under five cut and what's your under five add? So this is was the difficult side. Was originally trying to determine what would be the best cut, what would be, because your deck was kind of in a lot of different places. Sure. And what I was kind of picking at was, okay, you like tokens. I get that. You like to have the ability to play around with your spells to make more tokens. And this is where I started thinking about uh, what to cut. And this is where I have often a hard time doing this. So I looked at a few different cards. Um, Sun Titan was kind of the one that I was like, it's for six mana, it's not winning you the game. <laughs> I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and read off the card and I'll, I'll kind of give you the thoughts. We're usually act We've been on a big rampage of cutting uh, Sun Titan and rampaging Bailoffs. Mm -hmm. We just think the six mana, they're a little over overrated, a little um, inflated nostalgia field. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just have because like, oh, it was good back in the day. So why don't you read it? And I'll tell you why, though, I did leave it in. Sure. Um, it's six mana, two, uh, four colorless, two white. Uh, vigilance, whenever Sun Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, you may return target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. And it's a 6-6 six, six giant. So the reason I left it in is actually not counting lands. I have 20 cards in the deck that are CMC three or less that Sun Titan can pull back out. Mm -hmm. So it was it was one of those things to where, you know, if maybe I got a little excited and played Sunforger a little early, well, I can always go grab that back. Or we talked about the, I guess we're calling them tax creatures now. You blew up my Thalia, well, I can go get Thalia back. Because I, I think what we had started to see is people just put Sun Titan in, and then you look at the CMC three or less cards, and it's like, you have like 10 or 12, and like all of them are very meh. 
they're not that great, but like Reconnaissance is, I think, a big piece of this deck. Dragon Master Outcast can pump out some big 5-5 dragons later in the game. Uh, Hammer of Perforos, just giving everything haste. So that's that's the reason I initially left, the, left it in. It's like, okay, 20% of the deck I can target that's not a land. If we want to count lands, that's 56% of the deck. That seems worth it to have it in for the six mana, and I do agree six mana is a lot, but I'd be interested to hear what you think would probably be a better fit. So actually, now that you talk it through, I'll, I think that there's probably a better cut, which I think we can all say a Chroma's Memorial probably needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, So let's, let's, call it the, let's call the elephant down the room here. So the card I would put in, and this is why I say decks like this can get really, really inexpensive, is Young Pyromancer. That is oh, what yeah. Young Pyromancer was designed to do. If you want to pump out a little bit of a go-wide strategy, um, Young Pyromancer is a great way to do it. And as from a pricing perspective, it's like 75 cents. You can probably find them for cheaper. But Young Pyromancer, it's a human shaman for one colorless and one red. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token onto the battlefield. If you need things like, so great example, your Path to Exile Ramp Edition, right? <laughs> yeah. You get one or two of these out early, then you cast it, hit one, and then it byproduct it will generate another one, so when it comes back in your hand, you can keep doing this. You have a repeatable effect and I, I really thought okay. young pyromancer good budget option i i think it's great in a lot of instant sorcery decks i you know what that's actually that's a that's a pretty good idea um i, I do like the fact that you know once i at least have a token target out there Young Pyromancer is always going to replace whatever I pass to Exile. Heck, I, I didn't even talk about it. I've actually used Swords to Plowshare that way, just to gain a life. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. One man to so gain a life. Swords to Plowshare every turn. Your swords um, to Plowshares, so I, your Path to Exiles to flip. What are you what I know, are you not doing? even using them on my opponents. <laughs> so uh, I like that. I think I think that's I think that makes a lot of sense. A lot more than a Chroma's Memorial. Um, so I, I, I'm down for that. I, I think that's all right. Okay. All right. We're now on to the $50 under 50 bucks. So what I'm going to cut is stone forge mystic. Some people might say that's blasphemous, but let me tell you, ladies and germs, I don't have that many equipments that I really want to go grab outside of Sunforger. And I should not have Stoneforge Mystic in this deck only to grab Sunforger. If I'm going to do that, I'll just run the White Tutor. Simple as that. Do you disagree? Yeah, you're, you're giving me the look that I was afraid I would get from people that have this affinity for Stoneforge Mystic. I agree that you're running a little light here. I think a tutor would actually be better than Stoneforge. Uh, Stoneforge. Um, yep. I think a one, you know, especially because it's an instant, you're going to do it at the end of their turn, you'll get it on top of your library, get exactly what you want. Um, I like that sort of line of play. It's going to drop your curve and would work more efficiently unless whatever you're getting 
would be a quip to her as like, oh, I need to get this out. This is my last resort sort of thing. I think that's a, a great option for a cut. But we're not adding a tutor in its place. I believe what we're going to add, because now you got me and I changed it at the last second, because you started talking about this tax effect. And there is a pet card of mine that is quite the taxing card. Doesn't does it charge my opponents more. And just, hey, on my turn, sit on your hands. Don't do anything. I think Grand Abolisher yes. has a home in this deck. 100%. White, white, creature, human, cleric, and it gets me more humans. Uh, that's great. Uh, during your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. I think this is going to allow me to do what I want on my turn, unhindered, and this will somewhat free me up in my combat because I did talk about how I like to use reconnaissance where it's like, ooh, got to worry about the blue player. You know, maybe I can't swing in or, you know, or I have to pull them out so they don't get bounced because it's a bounce attacking creatures. Well, now I kind of have like a second option with Grand Abolisher. Well, I have Grand Abolisher out there. As long as I know that I can get through or there's not something that can kill me, what the board has is all I have to focus on. I don't have to worry about shenanigans with cards in hand. I agree. Because initially the one I did have was Magnetic Theft, but uh, <laughs> once you kind of talked a little bit around this and the fact that Magnetic Theft doesn't change the owner of the equipment, it's like, well, it's cute, but it's not that cute. What are you going to cut, though, for your under 50, and what are you going to add? Oh, so this one, I, I know your curve is a little bit higher. But I, I wanted to make sure that you had the mana to do what you wanted. And I wanted that mana to grow exponentially every time you had a spin of the wheel. And the card that I think you should put in... And well, let's talk about the card you're getting rid of. It's Gilded Lotus. I, f I hate that card. <laughs> There's a reason that card went from like 10 bucks to like a nickel. So... <laughs> The card I want you to put in, though, Dockside Extortionist. <gasps> Funny enough, that was actually my personal recommendation as well. Wow. Uh, I think I think we'll be along the same line, but why don't you read off the card? Sure. It's uh, pretty funny. Dockside Extortionist, unfortunately, has only one printing, and it was in Commander 2019 in the deck that a lot of people didn't buy. Um, it is one colorless, one red. It's a goblin pirate, so have fun with it both tribes there. Uh, when uh, Dockside Extortionist enters the battlefield, create X treasure tokens, where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control. And treasure tokens can be sacrificed and add one mana of any color. So this, in your field of play, two mana, you got a feather out there, you need a way to build up some cash on the fly, start flickering this guy. Yeah. You're targeting him, that's a, you're flickering that's him. Exactly why I wanted to add it. And I think I think my line of thought, because I didn't even think of that, it was when I was going through and I picked a mirror battle sphere and I was like, oh, well, I could flicker it and make these four mirrors each time. And it's like, wait a minute. Dockside's cheap as hell, CMC-wise, not dollars. And I'm probably going to make six treasure tokens, a flicker, 
And then it's going to cost me a treasure token to do it the next turn. In one rotation, I could have like 18 mana, 20 mana. Exactly. Um, Dockside Extortionist is a card that I tell people, it's 40 bucks, buy it. it. Trust me, it goes into any deck that has red in it. Because every game is going to have somebody in there who's playing artifacts or enchantments. You're going to net gain on this. And there are so many combinations to just create loops with them. Like Lord Dracus from Ikoria, plus Dockside Extortionist, plus any flicker spell. You pretty much have infinite mana as long as you have six, uh, six artifacts across the board. I'm doing my math right. Absolutely love this card. It's in every single one of my red decks. So the funny thing is, so, I mean, I think I own two or three copies. Um, I have a copy, though, sitting in my Rakdos, Greven, Vin Diesel deck. And I mainly had it in there because it's like, okay, I play it for two, generate five or six mana, and then I sack him to Greven, uh, and then he did his part. And then there might be a couple reanimate spells in there that I could pull it back out and do it again. I'm almost wondering if I should pull it from Greven and put it in here because I bet you my Boros deck probably needs the treasures more than Rakdos does. What do you think about that? I think you should just get another Dockside Extortionist. <laughs> you can never have no, honestly, at, this, at this point, I should just go find one of those pre-cons and then pay the five bucks more just to get all the other cards. Exactly. <laughs> and there's plenty of cycle fun there. Or what is, no, the, that one was no, the... this was Flashback. Flashback, yeah, that's the one. It was trash. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I know, I made the deck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I think we're all on the same page there. It's a, it's a great card. Definitely needs to go in the deck. Uh, like I said, that was my personal recommendation as well. I was actually going to cut Tajik, uh, Legion's Edge. Um, I think I only put this card in the deck because I played with it on Arena and I liked it in Arena. Uh, so Tajik, Legion's Edge, guys, is a colorless and Boros legendary creature human soldier. It has haste and it also has mentor. So whenever it attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature with lesser power. Cool thing is it does say prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to other creatures you control. So that's nice uh, in case someone has a Blasphemous Act, which I don't even have in this deck. Uh, and then you can pay Boros and he gains first strike until end of turn. It's fine. It's nothing sexy. It's not cool. If I was running a lot of the... Uh, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of those Minotaurs, the Boros brothers. Oh, uh, uh, like, the gods, right? No, no, not the gods. Oh, oh are um, they gods? no, you're talking about the box topper. Not box yeah. topper, the promo card that came with. Uh, yeah. Now I'm going to have to look. Those guys. <laughs> like, cause those guys are all about dealing damage to a lot of stuff, but it's always non-combat damage. So, like, Tajik is great in that kind of deck. Tajik's great in the deck with... Uh, Teo Shield Mage, because he kind of does that same effect. This deck, I'm not doing a universal drips and drabs damage to any of my creatures, so it doesn't really do anything. So that's why I was going to add it for the Dockside Extortionist, but if I had to just give an honorary, should probably put it in the deck, because now I'm a terrible person, and uh, Mr. T has made me into a tax player, I think I'd put Linvala, Keeper of Silence, in the deck. Why the hell not? Yeah. Two colorless, white, white, legendary creature, angel, mythic. It has flying. 
Um, activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated, and it's a 3-4. Um, I, I don't have much to say there. Play fair magic. That's all that is. Play fair magic. Play fair magic. Yeah. It's not fair of you to activate your abilities. Come on. Shenanigans is so this. The, the funny thing is I actually remember the very first copy of this card. I bought it specifically for the play group we had because we had the Zedrew. We had Brea. Got uh, Reese. Um, there was a Cranko deck and a Grinzo deck, mm -hmm. and it was just like too many commanders with too many activated abilities. Y'all need to settle the hell down, calm down and just, uh, just just play with what's in your hand. Exactly, just do it upright. Well, to take us home, Mr. T, what's your last cut, and how are you going to make me piss off my fiancé and spend all of our money on a card? Actually, well, this card does have a cost to it. Um, your soul. I know, right? <laughs> so, I was still trying to figure out, when I was looking at these cards, I was like, just what would I think would be better in these spots? I think once you come up with a theme, like you're like, this is what we're doing, we should revisit this <laughs> subject as a whole. I have to take right. another crack at this. But I, I couldn't actually figure out what to cut for this one. I, I know I'd want it in there. Um, it, it would just, I mean, personally, I look at Solemn Simulacrum and I'm like, I don't like you, four mana. What? <laughs> Get one land, draw a card, and it has to die <laughs> to do it. Um, I mean, I guess I should take him out for a Burnish Shard because that is a better card. Oh, screw yes. you. You always... You always want to leave Burnish Heart in the box or the binder where it belongs. Exactly. Um, the card, I think, it's not that, ex well, cost is relative, right? I, I think a Sword of Feast and Famine should be in here. And, I have a copy. And see, you're not breaking the bed. Um, you're going to swing out, and, and you have two options, really, right? If you're going to buff your general, you're going to be doing it before combat. But you might have some tricks that you want to do after combat. So Feast and Famine is going to let you untap your mana. It's going to give you more efficient use and let, make it so your decisions are easier at that point to make. So I am a... so Okay, so Acromus Memorial and Sorted Feast and Famine and a Amulet of Vigor. Those were actually the three cards that when I first started playing Magic, I bought three, four, five, six copies of and tried to put them in all my decks. Because it's like, oh, they're colorless and they're all fantastic. Uh, I'd at least like to think I hit the mark of Sword and Feast and Famine and somewhat Amulet of Vigor. But here's why I didn't put Sword of Feast of Famine in this deck. Because I actually have a playset of swords. Sorry. I mean playset in the EDH terms. I have uh, one copy of each of swords just sitting downstairs. Um, I got 48 And I didn't put them in the deck for a, a reason. This deck wants to protect its creatures most of the time through blinking. And it feels really bad paying mana in colors that don't really produce mana that well, getting it on a commander, swing, uh, I'm going to try to target, remove it. And it's like, well, I can either let you do it or I could just blink my commander and then it gets unattached. And hopefully it comes back immediately because then I can do it second main phase, but maybe not. Maybe it comes back at instep. I have nothing to attach it with. That's the big reason why... When you looked at the deck, there were not a lot of equipments in the deck. 
and it's because a lot of the protection is the blink piece. I do really, really like that untap all lanes you control aspect of it. Um, I just wonder if the, the build that I get to is more token creature damage and the equipments you're never actually putting on the creatures that matter, like Feather or um, Mere Battlesphere. You're putting it on the tokens and like, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to get rid of Feather that's kind of causing a lot of the rigmarole? Or do you want to get rid of the token that's about to smack you, make you discard a card, and I'm going to untap my lands and I'm going to do more stuff? Maybe that's the way that I can kind of play with the swords and still do the blink shenanigans that I want to with my actual real creatures. What are your thoughts on that? I think it makes sense. Um, that's why I, I, the sword has, you know, Sunforger, yeah, that's a guarantee to put that in that deck. Yeah, it's no question about it. It makes sense. Find you what you need. Um, the sword, though, gives you a way to manage your mana. Uh, a little bit differently. Uh, red and white, particular. Well, mana rocks are by far been the best that they've ever been right now. Um, but having a way to untap your lands, I, I think that'll add advantage. And I think if you could get it on there in a token and swing through that way, totally. And I mean, there's always those players who are playing, you know, colors that you're protected from, and just swing into them and just get that free untap. No, I I, I like that and. I once again, I think some of the stuff you're talking about, yes, I need to take things out of the deck and, and get the focus back, but I, I think it's also just I have to play it differently in my head. Instead of being scared, like, I can't put equipment in the deck because I blink my stuff, it's like, well, you do create tokens, just put it on that. Yeah. And then you're still making people have to do that modality choice. But this wouldn't be bruising builds unless I held your feet to the fire. You still gotta cut something. What the hell are you gonna cut, sucka? Cut feather. <laughs> Cut feather. Put in sorted feast and famine. Don't just make that your goal. At the end of the, <laughs> and we're at the end of the episode, guys. And as promised, here's some details about the giveaway from Level One Game Shop. We're going to be giving away a Commander Legends bundle, which, funny enough, it will be in my possession once you hear this, but I'm picking it up physically tomorrow in this alternate universe. Uh, but to enter, it's super simple. Just help promote the content we produce. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on your platform. Leave comments. All the stuff that you do with us on social media, all those interactions do get you entries. Plus, becoming part of the collective in our patron group, even for just a buck, also gets you additional entries. We will announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News, believe it or not, December 1st. And we will post it on our main account a little bit after. Yes, these giveaways will happen every month. It just depends on what we can finagle from level one for you filthy SOBs. But we would like uh, you guys to leave some positive feedback, even if it's not to try to get in the contest. It just lets us know that the content we're putting out, whether it's the Squeeze Pack Crack, whether it's Bruising Builds, whether it's the Dear Squee article series, uh, the uh, deck therapy that we're doing on MTG Action 4 News. We just, as we're coming out with all these new ideas, we want you guys to let us know what we should keep doing and what maybe we should put in the recycle bin along with this deck. <laughs> But if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, here's how you could do that. You can reach me at Mr. Comment number five on Twitter. I'll spell out except for the five. 
Big Tuck, where can they reach you? You can still can, and I am somewhat active on it. I think yeah. I, I'm on it every day, I mean, you, so you, you can tweet some things yeah. every day. Yeah, he's around. You can give me at Big Tuck tweeting uh, on Twitter at Big Tuck tweeting. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. You can go to our website, cmdtower.com. We're Big Tuck, even though he didn't show up for work today because uh, Feather swooped him out of his seat. Uh, we'll still have the article up with the deck list and everything. Basically, all you have to type in is Cloud Shift, Myriad Landscape, Dragon Master Outcast, Tower, a deck. Sweet McGee, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Oh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Rich Chaos Records. You can uh, email me. I'm still sticking with it. Uh, that is DeerSquee at cmdtower.com. And I will have you know, almost every single question from the Deer Squee articles has come via email. So all y'all can suck it. Uh, <laughs> that being said, you can also find me on the Twitter sphere at DeerSquee. Um, again, still... Don't come to the studio yet. It's uh, it's getting worse. It's getting to be a trying time. It's cold outside. Let's all just let's all just stay home. Be calm. Be quiet. Well, maybe not quiet, but but calm. Other squee out. <laughs> He does have a full studio, like he mentioned. So if you guys do want to send your audio projects over the interwebs, he could definitely help out you, your business, your own personal collective. If you would, though, like to actually support our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, because we all know you degenerates are buying Commander Legends stuff, just head over to level1gameshop.com, and when you place an order in the order notes, just type in CMD Tower, so that they know that you came from the collective. And, of course, they have a TCG store for all your singles, so if that's more your jam, you can do that. Uh, they do have everything you need from a board game perspective. Plus, they give you guys this sweet loot each month. Be nice. Throw a dollar their way. Throw 50 cents. I don't know what you could buy for 50 cents, but I'm sure there's something. A dice? A single no. dice? A dice. You could buy a single die. Uh, that's not confirmed, by the way. <laughs> not confirmed at all. <laughs> Uh, but if you would actually like to help us out financially with the uh, hopefully new equipment that we're getting for me at Big Tuck so we can have better audio sound uh, while we're recording remotely or even hopefully one day hiring a video editor so we can make the YouTube videos look better than a PowerPoint slide, uh, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have all the different award tiers from just a dollar up to 25. Of course, the more you contribute each month, the more swag and price and stuff we give you. We're still aiming for a 50 patron goal. Uh, we're over 65% of the way there. Once we hit that 50 patrons, we are committed to you guys. We will have a member of the collective on Brews and Builds every single month. We will send you a laptop, the headphones, a professional mic. With the software, all you do is open it up. It'll come in like a cool Pelican case. You'll feel like you just bought a load of drugs from <laughs> Walgreens over the counter type completely legal uh, but it will be super super cool but if you guys actually can't help us out financially but you do want to get some of the swag that maybe you see on streams like uh, MTG Lexicon Commander 99 uh, Mr. Bevers or even what you see in our quarantine battlegrounds which is a free discord we have head over to cmdtower.com slash merch you can buy everything on there, play mat sleeves. If you want us to sign anything, we can do that for you as well. Uh, we wanted to do the sweater, but alas, suppliers in China kind of suck, and they weren't going to get them to us until like mid-January. 
RIP sweaters. But hey, if any of you guys are your own designers, just reach out to us and we will share that design with you. Uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. And of course, thank you again to Pink Royal for music provided in the episode. So, Mr. T, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Feathers Recycle Bin, how do you feel about the deck? Do you feel once you talked through it, saw kind of what my vision was, and we did some cuts and ads, do you think we can finally get Feather to a point where it's respectable? It doesn't need to be good. I just want it to be respectable. I think if you find that line where... If you think about how do you want to win, just start with that practice. How do you want to win? Then we could build around that. You know, your backup plan could be go wide. There's lots of different options there. I think Feather is an incredibly powerful commander. I think you're on a good track. I think if you just kind of hone that vision a little bit more, I think you'll be in a sweet spot. Yeah, I agree. And actually, you know, as we've done the episode, I've been thinking about how do I want to win? And honestly, the way I want to win, I don't think is a way that you can truly win. I want to win by casting a bunch of BS one mana spells to pump up a single creature to then kill someone and then get all of those spells back to hand and then do it again to the next person. That's honestly how I think I want to win. Is that a way to win? I don't think so. Um, dare but to dream. You know, I don't know. Dare to dream. Yeah, d dare to dream. Exactly. Um, I mean, there could be some cool things with Sword of Feast and Famine and Aggravated Assault. You know, get, give my dude protection from colors and then infinite combat turns just kill everyone. Like, I guess that's a thing. Um, I, I just don't know. It, it's. I think it's the red that's messing with me. Mono white? Oh, build those all day long. Uh, you know, any other colors. I mean, even when I did my Jeskai flashback deck, it was a struggle for me. For some reason, whenever red gets thrown in, I just don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do with it. It's it's like I work at the firehouse and someone just dropped off a baby in a basket. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Do I do I do I put it in the trash? Do I eat it? Do I do I, do I fling it? Fling it. We got real dark yeah, here. We're, we're, we got real dark. Yeah, no kidding. That's it, everybody. We're flinging babies. Uh, but no, just like in, I, I just don't know what to do with the color red. And I think I think if maybe I could figure that out, everything else would be easier. Because hell, even in my Lord Windgrace deck, the deck's primarily Golgari. It's basically a Gitrog monster deck that has a couple red things in it. Red is an extremely powerful color in Magic, specifically EDH as well. Um, most people look at red and go, oh, it's just a couple of points of damage here or there. No, red's got draw, red's got filtering, red's got explosive turns. Yeah, extra um, combats, bird all. Extra combats. Um, you've got insane abilities in red. Stuff that white doesn't have remote access to. And sure. that that's, I like red a lot as a color um, inside of what it can do. And by you having two colors, you can introduce new elements of ramp as well to make you go a little bit faster. You know, like Talisman of Conviction was a card that I was considering for this. Yep. And the quarter less than it was in Modern Horizons. Um, there's lots of cool stuff you can do with this. I would, I, yeah. you know, look at multiple different ways you can win and just consider that. I mean, even that new Planeswalker where it's like, hey, triple the damage. Okay, cool. 
swing out good sir (laughs) (laughs) yeah no for sure or worst case scenario i'll just pick a mono white partner and a mono red partner and just make my boros deck into that all right guys well we're signing off see ya